0: On this week's episode, the entire island of Manhattan has been converted into a giant maximum security prison. When Air Force One is hijacked and crashes into the island, the president is taken hostage by a group of inmates. Snake Plissken, a former Special Forces soldier turned criminal, is recruited to retrieve the president in exchange for his own freedom. This is Movie Time Machine.
1: Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and we live them in the present. This week's film, Escape from New York, directed by John Carpenter, released in 1981, starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Donald Pleasant, and Adrian Barbo. But before we get into our movie discussion, let's do some quick introductions and let's let the listeners know what we've been watching.
0: This is Jamie, and I have been watching uh, quite a slew of movies. I'm on leave right now we had uh our second daughter was born and i'll just say that i watched jordan peele's us and i can't seem to get it out of my mind i'm i'm not sure it was a good movie i think it was technically stylistically not sure if it uh vibed with me but i gotta watch it again because i just can't seem to quit it mentally chad what have you been watching
1: Uh, i've been going back in time and watching um the original robotech uh, cartoon series, anime. And boy, that was, I think that was really ahead of its time. I mean, it's pretty, the content is a lot mature, more mature than I remember. So yeah, I'm about six episodes deep into the first, uh, saga, I guess you would call it. I think it's like the first 30 episodes is the Macross saga. So yeah, so I did that and went, kind of went down the Robotech rabbit hole. Um, over this last weekend. So yeah, so in that then um I watched the next episode of War of the Worlds on the Epics channel and yeah, I just I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> oh, you're um, tapping out, huh? I yeah, I just kind of been skipping through most of it. So it's like the just a lot of lots of bad buildup. Um but just is like really predictable. Um Hmm. But yeah, it's like they're they're really pulling in like the the War of the Worlds meets um the Walking Dead kind of vibe. So kind of like that survival horror. Is it an
0: American series? I don't know. Epics.
1: Yeah, it's like epics or epics. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's a it's a a British production though. Okay. but if you look it up, if you just look up War of the Worlds, there's there's like three different like War of the Worlds series, I think, that have come out in like the last decade, and I think there was one that came out a few years ago. So, But let's talk about the topic of the evening, Escape from New York, uh, another one of our John Carpenter films that we are covering, and I believe Jamie, is this both of our... It's both the first time both of us have watched this film, am I correct?
0: Yeah, you're right. I this has been on my to watch list for probably since I was a teenager. Um and for whatever reason I just hadn't gotten around to it until right now, and I'm pretty glad we watched it for the show. What what took you so long?
1: I I don't know. Like I really don't know. I just it's again, it's been one of those movies that I kind of been there kind of lurking in the background, but it just really hasn't been on like my list of movies to get to um immediate. It's kind of maybe it was there in the past, but just the access to it wasn't there and it just kind of, you know, disappeared into the ether. But yeah, I'd like wanting to uh, dive into some John Carpenter movies and I thought this would probably be a good one and. I've had lots of friends like recommend this movie and said that's a, a pretty good film, and man, they were right. This, this film kind of like exceeded my expectations. Um I guess I was expecting some of the the camp in it, but um man, I really enjoy this film just from just the storyline, um the the humor, uh Kurt Russell's character, Snake Plissken, is You know, probably because it resonates through, you know, nerd culture and video game culture through the Metal Gear series. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be part of it. But yeah, um, really enjoyed this movie. The characters are really interesting. Just that whole idea of um, like the USSR and the United States um, are ending this conflict and. We're in the U.S. and all of Manhattan has been turned into a prison. And you basically, when you get sent there, you kind of on you're on your own. And um, I like how like you get like these little factions that are, you know, kind of ruling or kind of making their own, I guess, government in the way on Manhattan. But um, what are like some quick takeaways that that you had from? watching this film, or maybe just expectations you had going into it, if there were any surprises.
0: So um, one thing that I think we'll probably circle back around to later, like you mentioned, was Metal Gear was my only reference, the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Um, and that I only knew that um, Solid Snake in the game was based off of the character played by Kurt Russell, Snake Plissken. Yeah. But I'll save that for later. I think what I noticed the most, <clears throat> excuse me, in my watch of this movie is that um, tonally, stylistically, I was drawing mental comparisons to um, two films of the same era. And this is—I wonder where. How long does it take a movie to get made, and where do these stylistical, stylistic crossovers happen? Because I was thinking of the Warriors. Um, are you familiar oh, yeah. with that film, Chad?
1: Yes, I. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in so long, and I can't even remember. But just listened to a couple of podcasts that have just uh, covered that film. But yeah, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Okay,
0: I, I've never seen it. I just um, drawing on the different gangs, um, gangs of New York, and just kind of how they're clothed. You know, a little bit of um not too distant future things were a little rougher too. So I it, it made me think of that. And the other big one was the Mad Max franchise. Um so the oh, yeah. for, the first Mad Max film came out in seventy nine, and this one actually came out the same year as the Road Warrior. So that would have been a fun Saturday double feature if you were lucky oh, hell enough.
1: Yeah. Hell
0: yeah. Um I don't know time of year if they even came out at a similar time, but you know when they introduce the cars when the duke's car comes rolling in and his <laughs> <laughs> his little gang and snake has to carjack um that one car to get them to uh oh i the next phase of the plot anyway yeah my point yeah. is <laughs> i i could see um the world that mad max was living in way over in Australia. I the same thing happened. And that's Mad Max living in Australia. Here's what happened in the United States. And just that was a cool blend for me. Um
1: Oh <laughs> so so the the car that they steal, right? You may have to go back and check this out, but they when they steal like the the grocery getter, the wagon uh-huh. doesn't that <laughs> does that car not look like i was like oh my god it's clark it's clark w griswold's wagon yes it's yes. in the it's in the uh, vacation cinematic universe i
0: i a hundred percent had that thought
1: <laughs> like where are the kids
0: oh that's a great call um.
1: yes <laughs> Yes, yeah, so. yeah, What's that?
0: I well, just. Carpenter has this thing with cars, and it makes me wonder if that actually doesn't have more significance or didn't appear in a, another one of his um, later films. Because I was thinking, too, of the scene um, when the Duke is trying to chase him down on the 69th Street or Avenue Bridge, and yeah, he yeah. runs down Adrian Barbeau that I just got strong Christine vibes from.
1: Oh yep. yeah. Yeah. totally get that. Totally get that. I, at that scene too, I was like, Hey, wait, don't sh- don't fight your shots right away. Like he's too far away. Like let him get a little bit closer. Didn't... Then take your shots. <laughs> <laughs> she wasted like <laughs> five bullets.
0: <laughs> well, and that was, that was one of the scenes too, that went, um, purely, uh, movie magic or lack thereof, because, and when she's with Brain and they're um, saving the president, she's dead-eyed dick. You know, she takes out those three guys and
1: three oh, shots yeah. in that room. Yep. That's right. I forgot about that.
0: So, yeah, that one didn't quite add up for me. But, right. right. But I suppose we got our cool Christine imagery. So, there's that. But according to Wikipedia... Escape from New York was originally written by Carpenter in 1976 after the aftermath of the Watergate scandal. So,
1: oh, yeah, yep, I, I he might have that.
0: gotten to it first.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like the comparison there between the two uh, uh dystopian films. And again, I think I had mentioned this before in uh previous uh, I think when we did the Dr. Strangelove. Like this is like this is what you get in the eighties, especially like in the early eighties, or maybe the majority of the eighties there are these like I feel like are like the best like dystopian films where like shit has gone wrong. It's always because of a conflict between the USSR and the USA or USA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really love that that theme that's that's carried out in this film and it just the the um, what do you call it? Like the aesthetic of, especially when he's flying in the glider of the grid layout of the city, um, mm-hmm. just like with like the neon, I guess, or like the grid, like the green um, grid. It's like it was like it was done in like GW basic computer <laughs> programming, you know. But I just love that aesthetic. Um, but yeah, when the this just made me think of the um, one part of the film where the air, you know, air force one is or air force three, excuse me, is hijacked with the president. And as it's coming in and it's going to crash into New York city, I was, there's like a moment I was like, Oh my God, is like the plane going to crash into the world trade center? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, is is this like, but yeah, I just had like major nine 11 vibes. That I whole guarantee it,
0: you that somewhere there's a reddit thread along with i do you remember this this nonsense about however many years after 9-11 just the endless conspiracy theories that were divulged through pop culture that oh yeah it was known and predicted and you know you would you would fold the 20 bill and it would turn into the burning twin towers and right all of those other you know bullshit claims but yeah
1: The $20 bill thing was real, though. (laughs) Well, in in the (laughs) sense that, yeah, that's what it looked like. (laughs) I thought there was one, too, if like the $5 bill, you could fold it to where it looks like the Pentagon. But anyway, yeah, that's some like fucking crazy conspiracy shit, like numberology. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and a lot of that was pushed by our friend Alex Jones
0: was it did, really? Or- um,
1: yeah, a portion of it there was a a fi- like a documentary film that was put out called Spare Change. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard of it but he yeah, he funded that and it's like I've heard of those it. Those crazy but- 9/11 theories like the last like the plane that was that crashed um and what was it? Ohio? whatever i forget now but it was like the last plane that was still like hijacked and was off course and they thought it was maybe going to like the white house or like going to chicago i don't remember but saying that that plane actually didn't crash and it flew it landed in the like the cleveland airport and there was these stories of every all the passengers getting off and yeah it's some like hmm. deep state conspiracy stuff but yeah our buddy Alex Jones was behind perpetuating that conspiracy
0: but yeah, that back like to
1: our favorite favorite film escape from new york um man i really like the characters in this film so um i think one of the first like gang characters that we meet on the island is uh I think the character's name is Romero, or Romeo. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, yeah. Play. I can't remember who plays that guy, but it has like a total, like um, almost Dragon Ball Z esque hairstyle, mixed yes. with like a early eighties uh, street, <laughs> like punk style. But yes, yeah. It's like, like he like brings the up the finger miser. of the president. Yeah. <laughs> He has the uh the severed finger of the president. And he's like that's leave true. now in 30 seconds or he will die. That's right. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, one thing I I forgot to mention too was um when this movie starts after you know the plot really kicks off that all right, got to save the president and that's when they um, get Snake to, uh, you know, hire Snake to rescue the president. I kind of like how the rules are laid out. So um, Snake, he like, they're going to grant him the pardon. He like wants it now. It's like, no, you have to wait till afterwards. Then um, before they send him there, they're like, oh, that was uh, a great idea you had about turning the gullwing around and flying to Canada. And they inject the, the capsules into his neck it's, it's almost like John Carpenter is trying to like fill some plot holes already from the beginning even though like <laughs> there may be some, he's still some throughout the rest of the film but it's very uh, video gamey in a way too
0: that's a great call I actually didn't think of it until you just mentioned it and for a movie that um, with a world that he's created like this it it could get out of control and out of hand very quickly if he doesn't Guide you through it in that way, so I think that's very apt right. um, of you to point that out because I didn't think of it, but you're absolutely right. We know right it, from the start who the players are, what the mission is, yeah. and what he has to do to get it done.
1: Yeah. Um, some other thoughts I just had: I was just making notes here as I was watching the movie, and just the whole idea—I just got like Escape from Alcatraz vibes uh, right huh. away. Um, the uh, underground, like the crazies, as they call yes. them in the movie, uh, gave me like a huge Morlocks vibes. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Morlocks from the X Men. They're like the super uh, mutated mutants that lived in the underground of, I think, New York, like in the subways, and it's a whole idea oh. like the crazies and yeah. So it kind of yeah, gave me the like, you- total vibes in it. Yeah, go I ahead. thought you
0: were referring to the original time machine Morlocks.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that too. Yeah, totally. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Morlocks.
1: But it also gave me vibes too of um have you heard of a doc uh documentary called Dark Days? No. And it came out in like 2000. Um it was like Mark Mark Singer. M-A-R-C Mark, not M-A-R-K Mark, because M-A-R-K Mark Singer is the guy that played the Beastmaster in the Beastmaster movies, and M-A-R-C Mark Singer is the guy that did the Dark Days documentary. That's about people that live in, like, the abandoned portions of the New York City subway system. So, like, people have, like, essentially, like, homes built, like, shanties built in these um, abandoned subway tunnels in New York city, but of which there are miles of, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'd recommend that if anyone wants to go check that out, it's in black and white too. So it really fits like the, the vibe of New York underground. Um, Definitely recommend that. So I got those vibes from this movie as well. Um, yeah, just like the whole like, Ko- like Kojima for making the Metal Gear game is like 100% rip off of the, sn- the snake character. And something I didn't realize, too, in researching this game, not only did Ko- Kojima do the Metal Gear Solid franchise that we're familiar with, but he even goes way back to the original Nintendo M- Metal Gear game.
0: Oh, are the you, like NES, you producers saying?
1: Yeah, yep.
0: I always forget there was a Metal Gear game on the NES. That's right.
1: Yeah, you know there was a so early on before they send Snake to Manhattan. They have that part where they have like all the weapons laid down on the table. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like an Uzi, like the <laughs> just stars, and so eighties. I mean, so eighties. And uh, right, right, because everybody in the eighties knew like a kid that had like a ninja star, like it wasn't sharpened, but. <laughs> like a ninja star and like <laughs> nunchucks. <laughs> that
0: that um, one friend who was your shuriken friend. Right. We all had a shuriken <laughs> friend. Right, she, right.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, it's total like one hundred percent rip off that snake character. But um, I was reading that. I can't remember who was part of like like who actually owned or maybe like the production company that helped uh, John Carpenter do escape from New York. They went after somebody else. Some like was like some French film that was like almost a complete ripoff of escape from New York. Like they went, and they sued them or maybe it was like some British film. So they got like royalties or whatever payment for that. Then they wanted to go after Kojima for metal gear on Nintendo And John Carpenter was like, no, we shouldn't sue them. I've met Kojima before, and he's a really nice guy. (laughs) So that's why they didn't sue him. I mean, there might be more behind that, but yeah, I just was reading that on, I think it was Game and former GameStop (laughs) today. Back to the uh, table full of weapons and back to the the Nintendo Metal Gear. I remember when there was Metal Gear um, advertisements and like, say, comic books and Whatever, like Nintendo Power, like back Uh in the day. And like the old video game ads would always be like a kid, like playing like the game on a TV or just like a partial, like a screenshot of the game on a TV, like an actual like TV in the ad and whatever kind of like write up on it. But this one had like your, it was like the Metal Gear logo and it had all the different like uh, weapons and Gear that you would get through the game.
0: I think he mostly ends up using all of the weapons that he's given. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I believe so.
0: One way or another.
1: I sh- Yeah. That that's yeah. that's a that's a drinking game. Maybe <laughs> is taking a drink for each weapon that he uses.
0: Right. Like I I appreciate of... that though in my action <laughs> films. You hate, to, you hate to see the buffet and then never be able to, you know, go back right. for seconds.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, let's see here. So in, in the film, the president is carrying a briefcase that has a very important uh, recording that is supposed to be played for um, the summit that's supposed to occur. And that's why we had like the time limit because we got to get the president to. I can't remember the location off the top of my head, but got to get the president to this this summit, and he's got he has a briefcase that's handcuffed to him, which at first I thought was like, oh, it's like the football, right? This is like the nuclear codes, and it's just a cassette tape, and the part where they have the president, like the Duke, who I think we need to talk about too, Isaac Hayes. Uh, they have the president like pinned up on the wall and i think the duke is just like randomly like taking shots at him with like a machine gun or something or (laughs) shock like it doesn't like make does not make any sense and um and i think uh romeo i don't know if i'm doing is is that his name romeo or romero
0: i'm Uh, a dragon ball z guy I'm checking IDB now. Let's just call him Goku until we Goku. All right. So Goku
1: like goes up and he yeah he cuts open the briefcase and like it opens up and like it's empty except for like this cassette tape. I'm just like man, that's like really like um not securing that tape very well. Right. You know, it's just like bouncing around (laughs) this briefcase and it's like a cassette tape, right? Do you remember cassette tapes, right? The pretty oh, fragile Oh, totally. You know, like yeah. Special. It looked like it was like a you know, a blank tape that they, you know, obviously had to do their own recording on. So those weren't very high quality at all, you know, like as far as like strength, you're probably gonna drop it on the concrete there while you're in your Manhattan hell. It's where I kind of crack then your you know the whole idea of this whatever that you're 100 percent, your stomach. So I was like, I thought that was very poor. Um whoever poor planning on who was ever trying to secure that tape for the president. I'm just right. very upset about that.
0: <laughs> well, and uh, it's Romero, by the way. Thanks. IMDB Romero. Okay. Yes. All right.
1: Thank you. IMDB. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. It's, I'm glad you mentioned the tape because that didn't really circle back until um, the end of the film. And maybe I was just a little dense when watching it, but, I, the whole time was like, what, what does he have? And, you know, um, they do the switcheroo with cabbie and he starts to listen to it. And takes it back out. It, it makes a lot more sense now that I read on Wikipedia that he wrote it after the Watergate scandal. There's a literal tape that oh. the president has. So,
1: right. Right. I didn't even make that connection.
0: No, me either. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> So that makes a lot of sense now. But yeah, the payoff at the end is worth it for all of the confusion.
1: So, should we talk about the Duke? So, the Duke is like the yes, kind of like the king of New York, essentially, of Manhattan, and um, better known as a number one. (laughs) A number Uh, one. A number one. (laughs) So, like, when we get introduced to the Duke, right? Like, oh, it's the Duke's car, and he's coming. And it's just like this Cadillac that has uh, <laughs> chandeliers on like each fin of uh-huh. the car. It's on the front, the front and back. It's like above the headlights on the front, and like on the fins in the back. <laughs> I was just like, I just told like a laugh out loud moment when I saw that. Like, what? <laughs> what is this? But it totally oh, like, fits, you know, like kind of like the character film. But yeah, the Duke played by. Uh, Isaac Hayes, in this Rest movie. Rest
0: in peace. What's your biggest Isaac Hayes association? Ah, uh, man.
1: Just what am- the music.
0: Okay, what I was asking a roundabout way ways yeah. if you watch South Park.
1: Oh yeah, f- totally forgot. You know, I was like, yeah, South Park. I probably was. You know, maybe like seasons one through five-ish. Then I kind of. Trailed off a little bit, but yeah, he played. He was the voice for Chef. I forgot about that. He was.
0: Yes, indeed, and that's I. That's my primary Isaac Hayes experience. That was. Yeah. um I'm a South Park loyalist. It's. I I have strong hometown feelings too. I'm
1: oh yeah, Colorado. Yep. I see. I get it. I get it. So.
0: Yeah. Very fond South Park associations.
1: yes <laughs> nice. Then, uh, Adrienne Barbeau, who is, uh, I recognized her from the classic movie Cannonball Run. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, have you seen Cannonball Run?
0: No, I still haven't. That's on my to, to watch list.
1: Oh, it's like We should maybe, we should do that as a film because it's just absolutely ridiculous. I'm we, down. What we could do is we could do Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run 2.
0: Ooh, a little sequel action!
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think in both those films, so there's uh, two women. Because it's like a uh, the greatest race, kind of. Is that what it is? The great race, or it's like a race across the country, and um, yeah. So uh, there's two women that are driving a Lamborghini, and they're wearing like skin tight, like track suits. I think. mm Hmm. And the whole like the whole shtick with them is that they're speeding, they're fucking just tearing shit up. And like they're always getting pulled over by police. And like to get out of it, they're like, Oh, let me get my ID and like they unzip like their tracks shoot suit, you know? But yeah, sure. Adrienne Barbeau is uh one of the Lamborghini drivers from Cannonball I Run. Could,
0: I could see <laughs> how she would have the figure for that. Yes. And
1: But yeah, I didn't realize how many like other She's kind of like a horror movie, like um, classic like horror movie actor. I didn't realize how much stuff she was in.
0: Yeah, and I should back. be more familiar with her than I am, truthfully, as well. But I, yeah. according to her IMDb, she was married to Carpenter at one point, so that makes sense.
1: Ah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, she,
0: she pops up in a couple of his films. I guess she's yep. in The Fog, and then maybe one or two others. But um, and coincidentally, we were talking about video games. She's got quite the um, quite the voiceover street cred. She's done uh, work for the Halo franchise, the Hitman franchise and the God of War games. And according to this in God of War 3, she's the voice of Hera. And then in God of War Ascension, she's alethia Serious Batman street cred as well. She was on the She's animated Catwoman, series. Right? Yeah.
1: And yeah. Yeah. The Batman, the animated series is like one of the best like animated series ever. So I good. I can't one. find it anywhere
0: on. either. It was on Netflix for like a hot minute before they. Yeah. Cause who owns that? Rights.
1: Is like Fox on that or no? Who owns I'm that?
0: I'm not sure. It's so Batman DC is Warner brothers. Which is... Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, I was just going to call out one more thing before we sign her off. I noticed <laughs> in the credits um, that one of the directors of photography was Jim Cameron, which, you know, made me wonder, is that James Cameron? Famous director yeah. of movies like you know Avatar, Aliens, Terminator. And sure enough, it was. So, kind of... Before he broke through, I guess his film Piranha 2, The Spawning, came out in 81 (laughs) before um, the Terminator in 84. So whatever he was doing um, in Escape from New York, he was, you know, preparing for his eventual star-studded run as one of the most important directors in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Did not know that. That's the kind of thing, though. With John Carpenter, is as we are going through his movies, is it's almost like it's almost like the breadth of most of his films. If if you're just looking at straight up kind of like reviews and um this performance, you know, which I guess is not always a one to one, especially like when you look at the thing. But mm-hmm. just kind of what he, especially coming out of the 80s, I feel like what he's kind of influenced as far as, like, pop culture, and, you know, like, we talk about, like, nerd culture, video game culture, and now it's, like, who he worked with, maybe. Maybe not directly inspired, but it's just kind of cool to see that connection of um, more, like, these directors now are coming up where they work together in some capacity and how they have those connections in the past. So that's cool. That's a good catch. Before we go, just want to let you know that new episodes of Movie Time Machine will drop every Friday on most podcasting platforms. Please remember to share, like, and subscribe. If you get a chance, please send us your questions or comments to read on the show. We haven't received any yet. Um, So I'd like to hear from you, read them on the show. Uh, You could also follow Movie Time Machine on Twitter, uh, movie time machine at movie machine pod and some homework for upcoming episodes. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at John Carpenter's *They live and Stanley Kubrick's the shining and full metal jacket coming up to round out um, John Carpenter and Stanley Kubrick for season two of a movie time machine. So that's it. Thank you for listening and see you later. Bye. Bye.